The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to Passion. Uh, tonight, well, we were supposed to be graced by the presence of Linda. Quite sure, I've not been able to reach her, so uh, you may just get a lot of uh, questions answered tonight because I have lots of questions and uh, I have time to answer them. So uh, you know what? We will uh, we will start now, and uh, and we'll see by 10:15 if we can't reach her. Well, I'll just keep answering questions. I got a lot of emails, and you can send your questions to 514-800, or you can email me to Lori at drlaurie.com uh, if you have any questions uh, any questions for me. And I got tons from uh, just feedback from last night's show, which was the Baby Boomer Show. Seems to be a very popular show uh, on passion. So I'm going to uh, going to share with you some of these some of these emails. Um, hello, Dr. Laurie. I am divorced for three years after being married for 24. We tried the marriage counseling, but it did not work. It was a good marriage, but no more uh, no more love. I started hearing your show for two years now and more in the past year. The Passion Show gave me some confidence back that I lost. The show last night I liked very much. Uh, it is three times now that I hear Les Boomer. I like that. Maybe we should call it Les Boomers. I always like uh, Mr. Mark and Madame Mallory. They are a fantastic ensemble. The poet I like very much, even though I don't understand it all the time. I live in Terrebonne now, and I'm good inside, more because I listen to the show. Je n'ai pas les mots pour vous dire merci. Well, that's very sweet. Thank you very much. It's nice to know we also have some uh, listeners. Let me just, um, last night, there was somebody who had asked about uh, the percentage of anal sex in women or such like that, and then our... I call, we call him the, um, in, uh, except my text messages, uh, but the, the Google guy, our Google guy, uh, usually has answers for us. And he did find, and as I suspected, between 30 and 40% of people have tried it. So I don't have any statistics about how many find it painful or not, but I am still on a natural high from the show last night. It's been a long time. I woke up feeling great. Mallory, Mark, and you are a radio orgasm. That's the first time I've ever heard that. LOL. The hour went by too fast. I actually got turned on. It is very apparent the three of you clicked. Now, that's not really the purpose of the show. It might happen, I suppose, with some of the things that we uh, we talk about. But, uh, yeah. Dr. Lori, is masturbation good if it makes you feel really lazy afterwards? Well, you have to know that the effects of an orgasm especially for men, but women too, is that, you know, releases hormones and, and what have you. And it, it's like feel good hormones and calming hormones. So a lot of people turn to masturbation, even to deal with anxiety, which could be a problem if it's done like compulsively, but there is this real relaxation afterwards. So try uh, try and do it at the end of the day. If you find that it makes you lazy, 
then don't do it in the middle of the day or in the morning. And yet for other people, they like to start their day that way. I guess it calms them to get the day going or maybe they feel stressed about their day. So this is how they begin their day. And some people begin their day that way and their day like, like that. And I've heard from many who say that masturbation right before bed gives them a better sleep. So it kind of would make sense in terms of the, uh, you know, the, the lazy, uh, part of it, I, I suppose. Uh, this one's from Mindy, the lunch with Lori gang today, uh, loved today's show. So just, if you haven't, don't know about the lunch with Lori gang, these are a group of women who live in Australia. And when our show airs, uh, it is the next day for them at, uh, at lunchtime. So, uh, we all agree. The three of you have amazing chemistry on the radio subjects were interesting comments. Great. Mark and Mallory. Great. And of course you were great. It's unanimous. The boomer show featuring Mark and Mallory is our favorite Mindy and the lunch with Lori. Dang. That's how many guys masturbate to help fall asleep. Yes, yeah, exactly. That, uh, that is exactly what happened. Good morning, Dr. Lori. The baby boomer show last night was fantastic. My wife and I always love the boomer show. The three of you are magic together, fun, entertaining, educational, all the makings of what makes a great show. Ma- Mark and Mallory, AKA Mark and Mindy, which is um, compliment you beautifully. Uh, I have two suggestions. Change the name of the show from the baby boomers to something else. Maybe ask the community for suggestions. All right, passion community, any other suggestions for the baby boomer show? You may be baby boomers, but it shows you are all young-minded and young at heart and yet have the wisdom of a baby boomer. Well, thank you. Second, if there is any one show that should be at least 90 minutes to two hours, it's the Boomer Show. As soon as you announced it was the Baby Boomer Show, I called my brother in San Diego to go to cjd.com and click on listen. After the show, he called me. He and his wife loved it. And now I have to tell them when the next Boomer Show is. (laughs) Thank you for that. Uh, Dr. Lori, Les Boomers clearly has a certain cachet to it. Bonne soirée, ma belle. (laughs) Maybe we'll call it Les Boomers. Uh, if you have any other suggestions, uh, please send them uh, send them along. Hello, Dr. Lori. I just got to work, and before I started, I just want to say how much I enjoyed the Baby Boomer show. <laughs> if any of you missed it, um, you know, I don't. Sometimes I wonder: is like one person writing all of these under different names? It's um, funny, but anyhow, uh, you can always listen to it on the podcasts on my website or the iHeartRadio app. Just go to the the uh, CJD uh, page. And you'll find it right there, or you can go on cjd.com, or you can find it on drlaurie.com. Best show you have, I think, along with the ladies. We were treated to two poems last night. Both were great, and I like that the passion poet said the other poem was excellent. Passion is the best way to end a day, and even better when it's the boom. Thank you. The Cocoon the, the cocoon Club? That's another name. Mm-mm. Why the Cocoon Club? Wasn't there a movie some kind of movie about uh, a bunch of older people with the cocoon. Like, somebody, give me the name of that movie. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It was about a bunch of old guys or they were in a retirement community and I don't know. I, I can't remember. It was an old movie, so baby boomers actually remember that.
From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Well, turns out we haven't been able to reach uh, Linda Hammerschmidt, so you've just got me, but I won't answer legal questions. How's that? Well, uh, isn't it called Cocoon? Yes, that's a, that was the movie, right? It was called Cocoon. Bo- boomers aren't that old, right? I don't want people to get uh, confused with a Cocoon movie. Batteries Not Included is the name of the movie. Love your show. You have helped me so much. Thank you. Batteries Not Included. That I don't remember uh, that one. So no, it, the movie was Cocoon that I was actually... One of the things I wanted to, to share actually with Linda and, and get her take on it, but I can share it here, is um, because of the pandemic, of course, lots has happened, right? So there's been some um, precedent-setting rulings in Ontario in terms of uh, an Ontario judge who sided with a mother in sending son to school during the pandemic. Because this is an issue that has come up. If, like, imagine... And I don't know if anybody's listening that are divorced and have, you know, uh, shared custody, let's say, and one of you is comfortable sending the kids to school and the other one is not, or you're adamant about it or what have you. So this, this whole thing is bringing up the question of who decides whether the kids go back to school or they uh, distance learn. And apparently that it's taxing the family court system already, uh, that's already under strain as a result of already the delays caused by COVID. So these are coming up, um, coming up in the course. So in this case, the mother argued that a return to in-class learning will be more successful and productive for him because isolation at home has been difficult for him socially. Uh, the father agreed that attending school in person is preferable uh, academic, academically, socially, physically, and psychologically, but he argued that the pan- during the pandemic, the health risks are too uh, significant. In her ruling, she noted that no one in either household has any underlying medical conditions that make them particularly susceptible to the adverse effects of COVID-19 and that the province decision to reopen the schools was made with the benefit of medical expert advisors and blah, blah, blah. But uh, what they're saying in, in in this court is that clients are bringing up the school issue uh, and more. So, uh, the judge in, in this case favor of sending, I don't know if anybody has had that or has had that argument with their partner and which leads me to wanting to talk a little bit about the fights that couples are having during the pandemic. I mean, the, the stress of this pandemic can certainly take a toll on your relationship, on your family life. A lot of people are going a lot more. A lot of people are dealing with fears about their health and finances and families and tree and, and things like that. So fears and the anxieties could uh, extend pretty far. But what are some of the main, uh, main fights that we are seeing? And, and I happen to and myself and many psychologists happen to be quite busy these days dealing with that the it's the pandemic itself that is causing uh, problems, but it's accentuating or bringing to light difficulties that couples have 
maybe have had already that they um, have kind of ignored or was easier to ignore when you're working day to day, you don't see each other as much. And so the, the issues aren't really as um, strong in the, like they don't come to the surface as strongly as they do now when you're together all the time. So it's, it's almost like when there's a fault line, there's pressure on the fault line and it just opens up and this is also reaching out for help. So it's not the pandemic per se that is causing problems, but it's certainly, it's, it's challenging couples to find, to communicate, like they have to hone their skills, their communication skills, because there are issues that we've never had to deal with before, like making a decision do we send our kids or don't we send our kids to school? Are you being safe enough for me? Uh, or, you know, disagreeing on how safe the other person is being or disagreeing on should we have people over, not have people over. Maybe one person feels it's more of a conspiracy and the other person is taking it much more seriously. Like there's, so there's, there could be many different dynamics related specifically to, uh, to the pandemic. But so the main fights that we see is not not seeing eye to eye on how to handle the finances uh, at this time because a lot of couples are arguing about money. One may uh, have a job, the other one may no longer um, have a job. So sitting down and really talking and budgeting at this point, looking at what are uh, our urgent needs and what uh, what expenses uh, Kate, like you have to be able to have that uh, that that communication and money is one of those issues that that are difficult to talk about there is it's a taboo topic as is uh, sexuality in in many ways uh, another big argument that couples are having is a, uh, that they can't agree on which which risks are okay uh to take, right? Like all the safety measures, wearing a mask or practicing uh, social distancing. Oftentimes partners have different levels of comfort when it comes to taking uh, virus-related risks. So sometimes these discussions can get really, really emotional about differences in in risk aversion. So this does um, (laughs) require negotiating. So you're, again, this skill, this communication skill, uh, negotiation and, and compromise have to, you know, you have to, to get better at it. Let's play devil's advocate and say the pandemic will be here for at least the next few years. Will, we will have to learn to live with it and child social development is important and much of that development comes from interaction with others at school. Not sending a child may do more damage than not. There is no easy answer, but we cannot live in a bubble. People are social beings. We need to find some balance to keep our sanity. You're right, and often we have to do, we have to weigh things out uh, a lot, right? We ha- but again, every family has to make that decision themselves. They have to weigh it all out and some kids maybe need more of the social than others and uh, but I agree with you social development is important certainly if it lasts a few years those are a few years of missed uh, missed social interaction but sometimes you can find 
ways around that. Like I'm thinking of people who have always uh, homeschooled their kids, for example. So a, a lot of people who are things, uh, but who don't understand the homeschooling, their argument is, yeah, but your children aren't getting action. Except that parents who homeschool recognize the importance of social interaction and do other things that involve social interactions. It may not be in the school setting, but that doesn't mean their children are completely isolating others for the most part. Anyway, having spoken to and known a few people who have been kids. So I make like a, a blanket. Another argument that ha- happens is uh, couples who say we have no alone time and we're going nuts. So the whole concept of personal space seems to have completely gone out the window. Um, for many couples, we, many of us are sleeping, eating, working, relaxing in, in close quarters. So this 24 seven togetherness Uh, for many people has bred frustration and resentment. Like too much togetherness can breed contempt. Yet for others, it has reignited the spark in their relationship. I was talking to a couple earlier today who told, who were on the brink uh, before the pandemic, who said the pandemic was the best thing that ever happened in their relationship and have been able to work to rebuilding their relationship because uh, they have been forced to be and, you know, have reared down and, and decided to. And of course, the the, the other one, uh, which I mentioned earlier, is uh, agreeing on whether or not your kids should return to school or do. It's just what couples are arguing about. But then you talk to families and you talk to parents who have teenage kids and there are other arguments in the home. Parents are not, kids want to go out. They want to socialize. They want to socialize outside of school. You have young adults who want to go to parties and there are parties, believe me, having spoken to quite a few parents, their kids, uh, the other kids are having social gatherings. So, and then they feel at risk. So it's time, right? For a lot of people in terms of humans. Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Some people do stupid things to impress their uh, partners. This guy did something stupid. A man was busted by cops in the Bronx after firing bullets into the air to impress his girlfriend. Not only that, he was filming himself on a live stream with his girlfriend when he fired off a 22 caliber gun around 4:30 a.m. Uh, as of course as cops heard the gunfire and approached him he darted across the street where he was chased down and apprehended this happened yeah in uh, in and the 47th precinct also wrote on social media about the event saying that the officers were in the right place at the right time. Of course, he is being charged with three counts of criminal possession of a weapon, criminal possession of a firearm, reckless endangerment, and unlawful possession of an ammunition 
feeding device. Hi, Dr. Lori. The pandemic-induced stressors on family life these days are something else. Just about everybody is affected, even folks with no kids or everyday life partner. It's nice hearing about couples who've become closer together. Silver lining there. Uh, I'd love to hear from other couples actually who uh, also are experiencing a better relationship due to the pandemic. Maybe before they they weren't uh, together so much because of conflicting schedules. Then of course during the lockdown, nobody so you got to spend more time. I know that was my case. I got to see my husband a lot more and it was good. Uh, it was really what happened to the word marriage. Has it been replaced by relationship? I don't think it's been replaced by relationship, but let's be real. Not everybody gets married. In fact, the rate of people getting married is going down, 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 and people are more likely to have, before they settle down to marriage, even have multiple like live-in partners don't get married they cohabitate so uh, say relationships to be inclusive of everybody whatever their choice of of um i don't want to say commitment because you can have couples that never marry who are just as committed as married people so it's not about that uh, but different configurations, I guess, or different, uh, different, uh, agreements you have. There are plenty of families where the children and the parents are, uh, are not married. Uh, they're still partners. They, so we call them partnerships or relationships or life partners or, or I think this is the perfect opportunity to rediscover family activities and bring back family values. Something I think we were losing. Someone messaged in and said they started watching Cary Grant movies with kids who enjoyed the movie one going. No nudity, no swearing movies. Movies made today seem to have at least these two things as a must have. Get to know your kids. Sure, that's uh, something a lot of families have said that they uh, the pandemic has been good for the family because they spend so quality time with uh, children and had to come up. And of course, after maybe it was great the first couple of months, but after a while, it was like, please let them go to school. I need some me time because they're really that was one of the issues. Very little, uh, very little me time, right? I just want to tell you about some free classes. I got this in my inbox. Uh, Playboy and an, a company called uh, All Bodies, so A-L-L-B-O-D-I-E-S, allbodies.com. Uh, they are a uh, basically a, an approach to online health classes that are led by trusted uh, practitioners, people in the field. They are providing live stream online classes on how to close the orgasm gap. So I'm assuming it's just for the ladies. They already had one class yesterday, but every, uh, so went next Wednesday, uh, September 30th at 8.30 p.m. our time. Uh, this is uh, learning how to communicate. So learning the first two uh, more orgasms in, is understanding your pleasure, the being your partner about it. So this is about learning how to talk to your partner about what you are. And then the next class after that is October 
sixth, and this is uh, about um, exploring and communicating with pleasure and how to put it into a practice. All the classes are about uh, 45 uh, minutes long, so you can find out more about this. So it's Playboy and this company, All, All Bodies for uh, sign up they're free classes so it might be uh, might be fun to do that dr Lori, i may not be a baby boomer but i am a 40 year old woman considered to be uh, attractive and sexy it is not only people that can be sexy many things can be sexy baby boomer show very sexy <laughs> yourself mallory and mark are naturals together and showed again last night there was jack janet and chrissy from three's company there was charlie's angels the three amigos all great trios and you three have the same thing happening over the radio okay uh you asked if others want to participate and i have to tell you something my father always told me if it ain't broke don't fix it if anything maybe tossing paris into the lion's den would be interesting a younger perspective with three boomers and we know from your anniversary show how much she likes the passion poet wish the show was longer i look forward to the next boomer show a whole month away uh, now i know how my grandparents must have felt before tv and listened to radio serials like lone ranger thank you um feedback is uh, firing bullets in the air is dopey folks do that in public celebrations in some parts of the world the bullets come down somewhere of course and can kill someone if they hit someone in the head at about 200 kilometers an hour just before falling to the ground yeah i wouldn't want to be so we've talked about the lack of uh the lack of sex for many people during the pandemic because of the you know, stress induced and like it was libido and such thing that we should not let go of that's really really important affection a little affection can go a long way for your relationship so even if there's no outright sexuality affection is really really and there's some research about this so uh, according to recent uh, research out of the university of georgia even the slightest touch or smile could be enough to make a difference in your partner's life Examining the effects of small expressions of affections on the levels of cortisol, which is the stress hormone, their work suggests that even behaviors like holding your partner's hand may be enough to produce measurable health benefits. And um, and this is really important, right? We know that cortisol levels and the stress is a killer and can cause all kinds of physical damage so that's why just just those little touches uh really are are very very important in a relationship so think about that that you says we just we our relationships a bit fragmented and we we forget we forget all those little touches that are important so let's not uh, let's not a little reminder touch your partner multiple times a day in a non-sexual way but in an affectionate way Bring up a question about premature ejaculation and anything else you want to add to the show you are welcome to one four eight hundred a safe 
place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. A little bit of everything tonight. Uh, sorry we didn't get to answer your legal questions. Uh, for some reason, couldn't reach our guest, but that's okay. Uh, I'm here to answer whatever other questions you have and whatever you want to talk about tonight. So a little bit of everything. 514-800. This texter writes, how do I approach my partner that I would like her to be dominant in the bedroom? Well, you have to start with having some sexual communication. So you might want to talk about sharing some fantasies. Now, I don't know when you're talking about her being dominant, what exactly you're looking for. So I would start with something really mild where you can actually say, hey, why don't we try taking turns being the dominant one? Like, uh, you know, you can lie back and I'll do everything to you. And next time I'll lie back and you do everything to me. Kind of play around with those power, uh, power dynamics. Or you can say, um, how about uh, you can do some mild, some mild bondage like uh, or you okay? Uh, you know, maybe once I'll blindfold you, and next time I'll be blindfolded, or use scarf and and uh, restrict movement, for example. So these are little things that you you can try. What you don't want to do is go to go to some scenario that is very far outside of her comfort zone because that will just scare her. But you're allowed to say, you know what, every once in a while, I would love it if uh, you could take control in the bedroom and this is what it might look like because your partner may not know what it is that you you mean exactly. But there's nothing wrong with sharing likes and and your dislikes and things that you uh that you might want to try and you want to gauge uh, her comfort level it could be you know many times women are are raised to believe or or everything we're, we're kind of fed here and there to be the passive ones in in the bedroom and some people prefer that by the way and and some of their partners prefer that but that's not always the case some women like to be the aggressive in the bedroom as well and are comfortable with that but a lot of women are not and part of it is because this is kind of we're socialized in many ways so there there is that I want to talk about one other thing like I get a lot of questions about breaking up and uh, dealing with breakups but I want to share some research research about romantic breakups and what they do to your brain so uh, obviously anyone who's ever gone through a, a traumatic breakup knows that breaking up is is hard on your psychological well-being and it feels like it throws your brain into a tailspin so now a new study with fmri brain imaging sheds light on different ways a romantic breakup may actually disrupt whole brain dynamics so for this study the researchers investigated how increased Depressive symptoms after a stressful breakup may be correlated with whole brain measures of metastability, integration, and hierarchy. The results of these studies suggest that the severity of depressive symptoms someone experiences after a breakup may be associated with more significant 
deficits in the spatio-temporal ability of the whole brain to work in concert to integrate and process a wide range of information over time. So uh, basically, if you have a lot of depressive symptoms after a breakup, there is less what they call global integration, which means that the brain as a whole had a reduced capacity to regulate and integrate incoming information from widely distributed brain regions. So kind of short circuits in a way, and it's not reading the rest, uh, you know, it's not working like a well-oiled machine, the break, uh, the gap, right? So that's what it's causing to um, the brain. So I think it's important that we understand that these symptoms and, and feeling ill and when we tell someone, oh, just get over it, you know, that's not enough. <laughs> it, it, it can take time and sometimes the brain is functioning quite well after an initial. I have a theory why people like baby boomers. It's the subjects we talk about. Great. Oh, this is from the passion poet. Uh, great subjects. And the three of us are all very open and, and sometimes say things others only dare to think. Uh, maybe that could be a possibility. Let's see, question now. Um, I have a problem with my penis. I can't last longer than five minutes. Whatever I do, I try to the squeeze technique and switching positions, but I still can't do it. Antidepressants made me last longer, but it was such a pain to get an erection. I'm overweight and pretty much stressed all the time. Any tips for this? So first of all, let's just know what the facts are. Most men last anywhere from two to five minutes of intercourse before ejaculating. So that's that's one, which doesn't mean, that doesn't take into account the the foreplay you should be engaging in prior to that, right? Uh, it's also true that antidepressants have an impact on your ability uh, to ejaculate, but also if the dose is too high, might affect your erectile uh, function or your libido. So if you're just using antidepressants for premature ejaculation, you've got to go with a really low dose. Speak to your doctor about that. The fact that you are stressed all the time to me certainly of course it's going to have an impact on uh, your ejaculation on your ability to get an erection Uh, the more somebody worries about coming too fast the likelier they are to ejaculate quickly part of that is because you need to be able to focus on sensations if you're worried in your head you're no longer paying attention to what's happening in your body and you can't slow yourself down. So part of that is learning to relax prior to uh, getting intimate and letting go of your expectations. Like, I don't know, it sounds like you have certain expectations that you need to last a really uh, long time and maybe those expectations and falling short of your own expectations is causing you a lot of anxiety. So that isn't helping you in any way. You can try the stop and start technique by yourself to train your penis to ejaculation and that up if you want to like a play tutorial, but basically it's stop, you know, start, start up, wait till you get to the point of close to the point of no return, uh, stop, uh, you stop uh, stimulation, 
uh, take a couple breaths, start up again, and then you keep going. And then you, with time, you can be aware of that point of no return. Awareness is key, right? Being in just all in your head, but also becoming a guy. When you feel even starting to come, stop, pull out and do nothing. After a time, you will last. That, that's the pull out technique, this, the stop and start technique, which could mean just stop thrusting. And for some, it means pulling out. And then if you have any questions that you want answered, whether it's about your relationship or something about sex or a topic that you want me to go into, uh, into depth with, please share that with me. You can send me an email. Let me know what you'd like to hear more about. Uh, you can send that to Lori at drlori.com. I answer questions at the beginning of every show, every single night. So no worries there. If you didn't get your question, answered, send it again tomorrow and I will make sure that up about our here. Thank you all for uh, hanging out with me tonight. Uh, thanks to our technical uh, producer, Nicole Pearl. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Petito or the easiest way. Just go to my website, drlori.com, where you will find all the podcasts of past shows as well. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a wonderful rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion. Feeling alright. Oh, oh, yeah. Now tell me, do.